Welcome to the Modern Miss Mason podcast. I'm your host, Leah Bowden, and over here we learn from, celebrate and lean into the teachings of educator Charlotte Mason, whilst focusing on how they truly impact a 21st century expression of childhood, motherhood and education. Welcome back to the Modern Miss Mason podcast. I hope you've had a great week. Uh, We've had quite the week over here at the Bowden House. As you know, if you listened in on Monday, I handed my manuscript in for my next book. And then at the same time, my husband, Dave, he has um, launched a book into the world, his first book. It it came out two weeks ago in the States, but on Tuesday it came out um, in the UK. So you know, if you were listening in, that I threw him a surprise party last weekend. But this week for him has been all about radio interviews. My experience was more podcasting, his was radio interviews. And because most of them are in the States, they're often very late at night after he's done a full work at, um, week at work. So if you do follow him on Instagram, go give him a virtual high five or something. Um, he's worked very, very hard this week. And I do recommend the book Parallel Faith. It's it's wonderful. I'm not just saying that because it's Dave. He's a great writer and um, it's a really helpful book and really actionable. So do go and check that out. Um, yeah. And last night on The Collective, we had our first night uh, discussing the book Hannah Coulter by Wendell Berry. And it was amazing. Do you know what? It's so encouraging um, to have so many people attend those kind of evenings. I think we had the most people we've ever had at a book club. And, uh, you know, part of that is people getting back into the routine and getting used to the collective. But also the book is just so wonderful. It's so endearing. And we I think it was possibly the longest book club as well that we've done. I know over here we didn't get wrapped up till about 10 o'clock at night. So it's not always like that, but it was a really, um, a really lovely time. And I, I've been thinking over these past few days a lot about reading and often at the end of, on end of the year, if you are on social media, you'll get people kind of listing all the books they've read. And, and you know, if, if you are on Goodreads, which I am on there, but I don't use the app at all, um, that you'll get people saying, I read 120 books this, this year and I read da, 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 whatever. And, you know, it's very impressive, amazing. Um, but often it can leave people feeling like, you know, thinking, gosh, I just about got through three books. And there you are with your newborn and your toddler and your and your seven-year-old and you're wondering why you couldn't pick up more books. And um and you're desperately trying to get back into that habit. Not that we should all be reading 120 books a year, but I know that desire and I remember that desire of look, I I love reading. And I know how good it is for me, for my mind and soul. And, but I just can't focus. I'm tired. You know, all, I remember that stage of life. And I was an avid reader when I was a child and probably into my teens because we didn't have phones, social media. We didn't have all this distraction. And I do remember being a real avid reader, loved the library, loved the smell of old books. That was always something that was part of who I was and I think I've shared this before some of you I may have even shared it in my book 
But I remember hitting kind of early motherhood and the only thing I really read was about, you know, having having babies and uh, baby led weaning and how to get them to go to sleep. And I wasn't really fueling my soul or my mind. And um, it's so easy to do, isn't it? It's so easy to just let many, many years go by. And it wasn't probably until I started home educating, formally home educating my children, that I recognised the need for my uh, intellectual aliveness. Now, I, I've only in the past few years have been using that term, which I obviously got from Charlotte Mason's work. And you can read a whole chapter of that in Modern Miss Mason. But I recognise the need for it. I recognise the desire for it. And so therefore, I had to facilitate that. I had to make room in my life. I had to create patterns, new habits and routines where this was something that, you know, became part of my life again. And actually, I could see the fruit of that. And so I, the last couple of years, now you have to remember, I've got adult and teenage children. My youngest is almost a teenager, so it's easier to say, say that adult and teenage children. She's the size of an adult, so she's my height, bless her. Um, and so life is different. So if you're listening and you are still up in the night with little ones, I get it. If you're listening and you have children with neurodiversity and you don't feel like you get a word in edgeways, you just don't get a minute, I get it. And if you have, you know, a very unpredictable day or pattern to your week, that is also very understandable. Um, but I am a true believer that if we look at our life, recognise our reality and then choose to live in that, then we will, we will find space and a place for these rhythms and routines of reading. But what I want, what I want to do today I want to speak to those people who are struggling to get back into reading. Now, I, the past couple of years, I have read around between 50 and 60 books in a year. So my goal is to read at least four a month. Now, this is a, this is a mixture, a compilation of Audible and, you know, sit down and read a book. Now, I am the kind of person who can, if I have a free Saturday, and I wake up and start reading a book, I can read a book in a day. And actually, between you and I, that's one of my favourite kind of days. <laughs> I just love reading a book in a day. And I, I used to be very much a feast or famine person. So I would either not read forever and ever and ever. And then in the summer, I would devour novels on holiday or something. Uh, but now I've created a pattern of making sure reading is part of my life and woven into my life. I am not trying to read anything more than I can. Um, if I get through 30 books in a year I and they are good books, I will be highly satisfied and I will be a richer, uh, wiser person because of it. I do follow Instagram accounts that help with book recommendations. I'm very picky about what I read. I'm very careful about what I read. So I can, you know, if I do recommend books, if you see me doing a reel saying this is what I've read recently, I only show things if I would want you to read them. So, um, and I'm very quick to put books down if they're not going to work for me, but I do carefully look at recommendations. But I want to talk to the people who are struggling to get back into reading. Maybe you haven't got the time. Um, and that is a real thing, no matter what people say to you, it is real because 
when you do have an evening and you sit down still, uh, you fall asleep. <laughs> I get it. Or you just want to watch something. And um, I could talk to you about discipline and switching that off, but I, I get it. Like you just sometimes need to, what we say in our family, we call it defragging. Um, we, we What we mean is it's been a really big day. My brain is full. I'm exhausted and I just need to watch something funny or heartwarming. And, and that's what we need. So I have got five ideas of things that you can read to slowly get your back into that habit of reading and these are things that I read all the time anyway um, I have and I've got examples next to me so I can share some examples with you of things that I'm reading at the moment and um, as well as my other you know reading longer books but these kind of genres of books I have uh, on the go all the time so that if I don't have the same amount of time like a whole Saturday you know that is luxurious having a whole day to read a book um, or I don't have any audible credits left or, or something like that, then um, this is what I turn to. So if you are struggling for time and energy to get back into reading, um, then I've got five ideas of genres you can get. Now, um, you know, I think I'm not going to go into this today in this podcast, but I think it's really important to understand why why we read and um, why we do that. And, you know, there's again, if you've got a copy of Modern Miss Mason, go and read, go and look at the chapter on staying intellectually alive. And that can really help you with my perspective on why, why we read, why we continue to do this and to grow. And that words and language and this rich narratives become part of our lives. I love being lost in story and I think we can get stuck on one line. I know from discussing Hannah Coulter last night um, that just one line can make so much difference, not only in the story, but in in us. And one line can really stand out and affect the way we think. And yeah, I mean, it's just it's worth slowing down, even if even if you're only able to read a couple of pages or a couple of paragraphs. I'm just flicking open my Hannah Coulter book to give you an example. So this is one line that we got stuck on last night and it says this, um, time doesn't stop, your life doesn't stop and wait until you get ready to start living it. I mean, you, you obviously you have to read it in the context of the story, but you know, we all, uh, that's highlighted in orange in my copy and we discussed it at length. So let's jump in to these five genres that some of them you will expect, you will know because I talk about them a lot. Um, but I, I just want to give you some little ideas and inspiration of things you can grab and get hold of and also give yourself permission to just spend five minutes a day reading and then build that up to 10 and then to 15. And we, when we start, anything small you know baby steps are the key aren't they when we start anything small we can build upon it whereas if we have this huge expectation of ourselves to read a hundred books when you only read one last year then you're probably not going to get there you're not going to to meet that goal um whereas where can you start today what can you pick up and engage with today and remember something that you want to think about and maybe tell somebody else about and in a couple of years you'll be reading you know a lot more books than you imagined and i guarantee you'll get there because i 
had to start from the beginning again and build my way back up. And I have no desire to read 120 books in a year. I really don't. Um, but I want to have continuous input that um, is, is helping me grow. All right. Five genres that will help you if you are trying to get back into reading. Of course, the first one I'm going to say is poetry. Poetry or prose, you can get compilations of poetry that have little bits of prose in them as well. And find poetry that you enjoy. I was talking to somebody about poetry this week and they said they'd been recommended one. Her and her daughter, her older daughter, were doing some for, for their home education and they were told you, oh, read this one, it's good for you, you know. And they started reading it together and neither it just didn't hit anywhere with either of them. And yes, it was a classic poet and someone who is very well known and it just, they just didn't enjoy it. And um, so we just thought, I just said, it's okay, put it down, find someone or something you like, find someone you enjoy and read more of that. And uh, just like when you are trying to find an artist that you enjoy, you go into a gallery, you wander around the gallery and look for the artist, the, the paintings that you are drawn to and find the artist and look for more of their work. And I think that so often within the home educating world, particularly that, you know, and, and even within Charlotte, Charlotte Mason advice circles, um, yes, we want to build relationship with one poet, but how do we find the friend? How do we find the one? Well, often you have to kind of move around and see what's out there. So I would suggest even for your own poetry readings, I've met so many adult women who have said, I hate poetry. So I just kind of introduce them to tons of poetry and say, pick one. And they always find somebody. So one of my favorite compilations for my own use is... Um, Okay, but you're all about you're all saying it. You're like, she's gonna say, <laughs> yes, it is Mary Oliver. And the the selected poems of Mary Oliver are in a book called Devotions, and it's quite a, a hefty. I'm wafting it in front of the microphone. It's quite a hefty volume of poetry, and it is absolutely fantastic. So if you're not sure where to start, start with Mary Oliver. Um, she's it's just beautiful. She only died a few years ago, um, and so you know some of her most recent stuff before she died just still feels so fresh and inspiring and wise. In fact, as she got older, her poems got shorter. And I heard an interview with her saying, "Well, if you can say it in three lines, why would you use more words?" And I I love that about her. So poetry and you may find that there are some compilations that got little bits of prose in as well. Um, but that is one genre of reading that you can launch into and really start to add beautiful words and uh, language, vocabulary, all, all the words uh, to your life again. OK, the second one is short stories, short stories. Uh, there are many, many short stories out there. You can look on, you know, your favourite book websites. And often when you're looking at one uh, at the bottom, it will say other people who bought this also bought. And you might find that when you start to get interested in one particular author who writes short stories, then you find others of their of their books that you like. So a recent um, 
collection of short stories that I have read is by a Japanese a Japanese author and I'm going to completely butcher their uh, their name so I do apologize now um Mikiko Oyama is how I'm going to read it today and this has been translated by somebody called Alison Watts and it's called What You Are Looking For Is In The Library. It's a Japanese bestseller and it's five short stories that all um, intertwine and they all have a familiar theme of um, a librarian involved. I may have talked about it before on a, an earlier podcast. I've definitely shown it on an Instagram reel. Um, but I really enjoyed this. I haven't read a compilation of short stories for a while. And so you can read them as individual stories, but also the this particular collection are, are interwoven. Obviously, most short stories don't connect with each other. And there are lots of um, really well-known authors who write short stories. And so do have a little search out there. Uh, have a good, um, you know, do some research how can you and, and, and short stories are great because they're not always super short but they are a good good way of kind of graduating from reading uh, you know the odd paragraph here and there or some poetry into something a little bit longer um so uh, yeah i mean if you've got recommendations for me as well do let me know um but short stories is another genre that you can um get your head into and, and start start reading again so poetry short stories uh, the third one is essays, so collections of essays, and there are essays from from old and new authors that I really really enjoy. So, so for more modern authors, I actually really enjoy the work of Shauna Nequist. She's written many books, um, and um, I guess her most recent one is called like I. Oh, now it's okay. I tried to grab it before I started recording, and the book title is uh, some of you will be repeating it to me as you're listening. Uh, I guess I haven't learned that yet, or something like that. Um, but it's really good. And she, yes, again, they they have a connection. There's a there's a, a theme woven throughout them. But with many of her books, you could just read one essay and then put them down again. And when she describes her writing, she describes herself as writing essays. So. Um, I love, she's got another one called Bread and Wine, uh, called Tangerines. I've read everything she has written. And then obviously there, you know, people have been writing essays forever. So you can ha find some of your, uh, even Tolkien has got essays, C.S. Lewis has got essays. Um, you know, find an author that you enjoy and just do a bit of research. Have, have they got a collection of essays? So if you can't, you haven't, you can't quite concentrate on a whole book, then maybe read a small part of something that they have poured themselves into. So poetry, short stories, essays. The fourth one um, I'm going to talk about is journals, people's journals and diaries. Now, these are wonderful. I really love reading journals and diaries because you get this wonderful insight into kind of this dialogue, this monologue in somebody's mind that they've put onto paper. So there are obviously there are really famous diaries like the diary of Anne Frank. Um, there are visual diaries like um, the diary of a, the Edwardian lady, which is like a nature journal, but with a bit of writing as well. And then the one I've got next to me today that I've just started reading um, 
is it's called Run to the Mountain, the Journals of Thomas Merton. And this is only volume one. Uh, but even just what I've read so far, um, I'm really, really enjoying it. And so I have a little stack next to my chair in my library, in my office. And generally there's uh, some journals or some essays, uh, poetry. I have various things on there so I can grab them at any time. So diaries, journals, another similar style of book. Um, and you, this I would kind of, it almost feels like a diary or a journal, but they're not sold that way. So there's an author called Sarah Ban Brethnack. And she has um, a book called, again, I, <laughs> my, the titles are going out. As I'm pressing record, I had all these. Some I've written down, some I haven't. But um, it's called Simple Abundance. That's right. Simple Abundance, Sarah Van Breton. Like If I keep talking, it comes to my, my brain brings it to the forefront. And my mum reads that every year. She bought a copy for my sister and myself. And it is lovely because it's almost like it feels like journal entries. And she and it's a monthly. So you, you move through the year and she just and she has a, a you know, 365 entries. And so something like that is really lovely. Again, great to have on a on a side table, a coffee table to be able to grab when you've got just a few moments. You're you know, you're drinking a cup of tea and you want to read something. You can just open it at the date that it is today and you can read that. So journals, diaries or kind of uh, month by month, year long. Um, yes, yeah, kind of uh, gatherings of thought are are really interesting ones to have and then the final one that i've put on here is compilations now this could also come under poetry and prose but i wanted to separate it from poetry and this this is kind of these are books that often authors are asked to pull together a compilation around a particular theme and they will bring into this book um you know sometimes extracts of short stories there'll be little bits of prose from novels there'll be poetry in there and so the one I've got next to me at the moment was a gift that someone bought me over the summer and it's a lovely old one smells delicious and it's actually pulled together by Elizabeth Googe and we we all know and love Elizabeth Googe because of the rosemary tree the white witch the scent of water if you haven't got into Elizabeth Googe you make that put that on your list um, and it's called this is an anthology um, and, and yeah that's another word I call it a compilation of things and it's called a book of comfort and it's just beautiful I've really just started to properly look into it. I don't know if you can hear but I'm opening it up and wafting pages and um, I'll read a little bit of what she wrote in the preface and so of the making of books there is no end and of the making of anthologies, there seems particularly to be no end because we are all anthologists. The collection and hoarding of bits and pieces is basic to all animals, from the squirrel with his nuts laid by in a hollow tree for comfort in the dark days, to the anthologist with his oddments stored up in his memory for a similar purpose. Anthology making is therefore essentially selfish like self-preservation. Indeed, it is self-preservation. For where should we be in our bad times without the treasure stored up in our minds, 
It is also, like many selfish activities, highly enjoyable, with the advantage of literature over nuts that it can be shared without personal loss to the hoarder. Isn't that wonderful? So that is right at the beginning. And then throughout this whole book, um, it's just beautiful. I mean, lots and lots of poetry. And obviously, you're when you're reading these anthologies, you are collecting new friends. You are meeting poets, authors, writers, and she has lots of saints in here. Um, I mean, it's just wonderful. So I have the delight of just starting this anthology. Um, so I, yeah, I'm excited to slowly make my way through it over the next 12 months or so and just read a little bit, a little bit every day. So there are five different ways that you can engage with literature and start to get back into your reading journey. So poetry or poetry and prose, short stories, essays, journals or diaries and compilations or anthologies. Anthologies. Um, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at modernmissmason at gmail.com. If you have any recommendations of any of these genres, anything that you'd love to share that we can put out there and start to help other people really get back into reading again. You know, I I don't want to um, wrap up the podcast without also saying that audiobooks are a brilliant way of um, getting through books and actually being able to engage with story whilst you are in the midst of your busy life. But really what I wanted to focus on today was helping you find that time to sit and just take a few minutes to open the pages of a book. Um, I am a big fan of both, but um, there's something very, uh, so, so, so good for us, so very therapeutic to be able to sit still and totally focus on words on a page. And we do, you know, it's important to cultivate that habit and move back into that. And as you know, I do use both Audible, I listen to podcasts and I um, have, yes, many, many as I speak to you today. Well, that is all I've got time for today. I hope that has been helpful or an encouragement to you. Just to remind you that next week over on The Collective, it is We Workshop Week. We have a brand new workshop every month. And next week, I'll be sharing about Charlotte Mason's life a little bit more, uh, giving you some more information about her and her life and also talking about why and how are her early 20th century, late 19th century ideas, philosophy and methods still relevant today in our 21st century schools and homeschools. So if you are interested to hear more about that, then sign up for the collective in the link in the details of the podcast or go across to my website, leahbowden.com, click on the collective. It is $4.99 a month and you get absolutely loads. <laughs> Not only you get do you get um, a live, uh, live interaction of various kinds every single week, you also get a full, the full Charlotte Mason and Box course, um, a, a wonderful growing global community. And also the other thing that 
I forget to mention often, if you are part of the collective, you get £20 off coaching calls. So I do host um, individual coaching calls, which again, you can find out more about on my website. But if you are a member of the collective, you get £20 off. So another reason to sign up, pay £4.99 a month and be a part of what is really happening and uh, growing over there. So sending you all lots of love for, and have a great weekend. And I'll be back here on Monday. Thank you.